Now, it's my great privilege and honor to introduce the Chief Justice of California, Tani Kantil Sakui. The Chief Justice is a member of the UC Davis School of Law Class of 1984. Sworn in as Chief Justice in January 2011, she's the first Filipina American and second woman to serve as the state's Chief Justice. In recent years, the Chief has raised awareness about the unfair financial impact of fines, fees, and the bail system on the poor. Last year, she made King Hall proud with an open letter to the Trump administration expressing her opposition to immigration enforcement operations at the California courts. The daughter of farm workers, the Chief Justice graduated from Sacramento's McClatchy High School. Since receiving both her undergraduate and JD degree, degrees from UC Davis, she's been a longtime supporter of the law school on the campus. And her family is tied to the campus as well. Her sister is a graduate of UC Davis, including the law school. Her daughter is an undergraduate student here. And her niece graduates from the School of Law this afternoon. And among many other things, the Chief has always supported our students during their externships at the California Supreme Court. Please welcome the Chief Justice of California, Tani Cantil Sakiwa. Good afternoon. And to the class of 2018, congratulations, bravo, bravo, well done. And to the parents and families and friends here today, congratulations to you. I know that many of you have lived the virtual reality of law school through your graduate, either through text messages of LOLs and OMGs, and the worst of all, cell phone silence, the highs and lows of law school, the Sturm und Drang of law school, the storm and stress. And I ask you to hang on just a little bit longer as we get through the bar exam, and then all of it will truly be behind you. Let me say also that unsurprisingly and sadly, I am not Justice Sotomayor, who was scheduled to be your keynote speaker. And let me say that I too am disappointed that she's not speaking. And let me say in part because I have heard her speak, and she is brilliant. We are missing out. <laughs> but also because, as been said, I was intending to be in the audience with you. I am proud Auntie Tawny of Kibe, my only niece, Kira Cohen, who is in the graduating class today. Her lawyer parents, my sister Kim, who we were in law school here together, and her husband, her father, Steve Cohen, is here. And we are over the moon over Kira's graduation. And I don't keep score, but I'm just going to say three women from my family, farm worker families, are lawyers out of UCD. So as you know, many years ago, 30 plus years, I was a student at UCD Law with my sister. And I believe we were the first class, there was a slight majority of women. And there was also at that time, a small group of minority students, and we all knew each other. And I'm proud to say that as we fast forwarded, 
UCD law has really set the pace and is making history with its examples and leadership. For student diversity, I understand UCD law ranks in the top 10 law schools in the country for diversity. And in the top 40 law schools in the country, we've earned that distinction and no other has. Furthermore, among America's leading law schools, our esteemed faculty, our, impression, our impressive group, they are the only majority-minority faculty in the country that mirrors the great, strong diversity of the state of California. <laughs> Further, I understand that King Hall has initiated a program to help students, young people, who are first in their family to go to college or to go to professional school, like my sister and I. And again, these actions are to grow the law, to make it accessible, to make it look like the people for whom the law governs. And UCD law does this, mind you, in an atmosphere of collegiality and warmth and inclusion. And I know this because I go up and down the state and every UCD grad that I meet speaks affectionately and wistfully about their time here at the school. And so I think under the leadership of Dean Johnson and this impressive, brilliant faculty that we owe them a round of applause. Now I know, based on my experience here, that UCD law teaches you to be hard driving, hard working, curious advocates. I know that UCD law teaches you to punch above your weight class. I've heard here today your credentials, and I know that we are in good hands. We're an impressive group, and that's why, especially led by Dean Johnson and your professors, where I know you care deeply about equal access to justice, that I am not going to give you the usual do well, do good speech because the mere fact that you were accepted at UC Davis and that you are graduating here today tells me already that we need not worry that these graduates will do well and do good. What I intend to speak to today are what I call the frequently asked questions, the FAQs that I receive up and down the state from lawyers and judges and justices about what's happening in California. So one of the first questions I often get is, did I do the right thing by picking law as my profession? And let me first say, see, I'm hearing some chuckles. See, I, I, let me first say, absolutely. Now, it may be that you, like me, do not necessarily, 30 years ago, have a job lined up. You may not know exactly where you will land. But I will tell you, with this stellar education and your drive, you will find your place, and you will work hard, and you will take the best from those experiences. And over time, you as a lawyer will be both a change agent and a torch bearer. And by a change agent, I mean that with your skill, your education, your experience, and your advocacy, through litigation, legislation, and negotiation, you will move the needle of change. You will cause change in everyday people's lives because of the work you do, either through impact litigation 
or through the fact that you are working these cases case by case, individual by individual. And you will be a torchbearer because your education has taught you to recognize issues and principles, and you will pick up the torch for principles you believe in with the law on your side, and you will be unafraid to make the argument, to make the novel argument in court or in the legislature about winning on behalf of those who need redress. And that is the beauty of the law, which teaches you to speak on behalf of others, particularly others who have no voice. Another question I often get is what is the most important legal challenge facing California and how can we help? Now you may think because California is the fifth largest economy in the world that the answer would be some kind of commercial litigation affecting intellectual property or labor and employment or environmental issues or water law. And yes, those are all important issues to California. And we usually have very fine attorneys who litigate those issues. But the biggest challenge facing California arises from the fact that we have the highest poverty level in the United States. 20% of our population lives in poverty. They are indigent. This means approximately greater than 8 million people have legal needs, critical legal needs, affecting home and family and health. And that goes unmet. The Justice Fund, or the Justice Gap Fund, speaks to this issue when they fund organizations of le for legal aid. And their statistics tell us that one out of five indigent persons gets the legal attention they need for their critical needs. One out of five. And that's a pretty disturbing number when you think about the wealth and resources of California. Further, the Justice Gap tells us that there are 189,000 licensed attorneys in California, yet there are approximately only 1,072 legal aid attorneys in California. And so if you do the math, that comes out to about greater than 7,500 potential clients per legal aid attorney. In a land where we have arguably the most legal minds in the United States, how can this be? The need for social justice for the indigent is stunning. So what can we do? Well, we know in the courts that over 4 million people come to court unrepresented without an attorney. We know that in over 75% of civil cases, one side is unrepresented, no attorney. So in the California courts, we provide self-help kiosks and a self-help website in different languages. And we serve over four to five million people a year. But we know that the gold standard is a lawyer. After all, you've gone to school for three years, you're going to have to take a two-day test, and then we let you get at the case. But we have people who are trying to stay in their home, keep their families together, keep their job and obtain health care, who are doing it themselves. And so I urge you, once you get your feet on the ground, class of 2018, to volunteer at your bar association's pro bono clinics. You will find in those pro bono clinics IP attorneys doing family law. You will find personal injury attorneys doing landlord tenant eviction cases. You will find environmental lawyers and tax lawyers doing slip and falls, doing immigration. And these lawyers tell me 
that this work in their community where they give back and work directly with people in need is the most gratifying work they do. Also, small and large firms are part of this effort. And I believe that you will find that the collegiality and the warmth and the togetherness of giving back makes you feel like you are part of the community and putting your degree to good work. Another question that asks, that comes about is, how can I help? Is I suggest that you speak out. You speak out about access and you speak out about barriers to access to justice. For example, I ask that you speak out but not shout out. Harsh words and ad hominem attacks as we see now do nothing to solve the problem. We only can begin problems with civility. And civility, sitting at a table and exchanging ideas is the way to solution. And so when you speak out, I give you some examples. I spoke out about ICE arrests in state courthouses because as Chief Justice of California, I was concerned that the public trust and confidence that the judicial branch relies on was being trenched upon based on these civil arrests in our courthouses and that the rule of law was being undermined and safety was being undermined because people were feeling disenfranchised from justice and, weren't, and would not come to court. I also did research and spoke out against the high fines and fees against poor people. I also researched and spoke out about bail and its impact on poor people. And I say this because none of these issues are new. They were barriers hiding in plain sight. But it takes lawyers from the community to think about these issues and the impact that they have and to use their skill and their education and their discerning eye, their analysis, to call out the issue and raise the narrative. Because in my view, the privilege, as Rosa has said, of this education is to spot the issues, raise the narrative, and bring change in the name of equal justice for all. Another question I often receive is, how do you balance family and work? And so my first and immediate reaction to that is my lawyer days. I say, objection, facts not in evidence as to balance. Or I think of the argumentative objection when I say, you call this balance? <laughs> so let me say for all of you for that question, balance is subjective. It will depend on your energy level and how you make it fit into your life. There is no one size fits all. Everyone is running and you can do it on a little less sleep. You can do it with the right partner and so I ended up ignoring the traditional rules of resume building. And my husband and I, we raised our two children uh, without a nanny, with much family support. And we, of course, took lesser assignments, less glamorous, less, less high-profile assignments, and we put in the time. And it was worth every sticky kiss. Let me also say that when you have children, and you have your children have friends and they join organizations, you as a parent learn skills that will help you in the law. I have what I call the perfect cranky person formula. I learned it from my children. I use it every day at the Supreme Court. It never fails me. And so the silver lining to starting your family and keeping it in balance is that there are endless rewards for the work that you do. 
So to the class of 2018, it's been said, you've chosen one of the most challenging professions. It is predicated on conflict every single day. It is predicated on negotiation. It is predicated on argument and also challenge. There's no way around that. But I will tell you that it is an exhilarating journey. And though you may not know where you are going now, in the immortal words of Dr. Seuss, oh baby, the places you'll go. Thank you.